This is the Baymall Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today, we're joined by a special guest, Maggie Billings, my wife. Here I am. She grew up as a middle child in North Idaho with an older brother and a younger sister. She met Brent, which which is me. Mm-hmm. I, I should have <laughs> written this better for me. She met me at our church's college group and uh, was married when she was 23. Uh, we have two children, Darius and Torn. You may have heard of some of them. <laughs> some. And uh, Maggie now works for a nonprofit organization that teaches social, vocational, and personal rehabilitation. Maggie, welcome to the Thank show. Thank you. So good to be here. Uh, it is tough to describe your work in a few words, but uh, it is good work. And perhaps that is a story we can share another time. Mm-hmm. But today we are talking about The Chosen, uh, which on my special edition um, box set they call episode nine of season two i noticed that when we were watching i was like oh episode nine that makes me feel like i missed out yeah so <laughs> it's um something i don't know um but yeah so we've we've all watched that recently and we're going to talk about it this is the special that they did in the theaters uh in 2021 which i saw immediately after we recorded last last year's uh christmas episode and uh, it was it was an interesting theater experience. It was mostly like a bunch of music videos, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, and felt really weird because it's like the kind of music that I would want to like stand up and sing along to. Uh, but we were all just sitting there in our recliner <laughs> chairs, eating our popcorn, eating, yeah, <laughs> eating our nachos and cinnamon things. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it was kind of kind of a strange experience, but fun. Uh, good. Good music, I guess. I don't know. I don't. Good I actually. Music. It was a year ago, so I don't it really was great. remember. It was great. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah, Maggie is the memory of the two of us. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember anything. I'm the elephant of our marriage. Yeah. So, <laughs> and Marty, you just watched this for the first time. Yeah, like right before recording this episode, because I I don't have the special bonus. Awesome. So. Well, you can you can watch this on the app. Oh, okay. And well. probably most, you know, wherever else they have it available. Um. So yeah. Excellent. Check it out. If you haven't seen it, we're going to be talking about it. I feel like you we have to blow the spoiler horn. Okay, so this episode starts out in AD 48, and we have, uh, as we'll find out, Tychicus. I don't know. Um, he's smuggling uh, Mary Magdalene, or maybe Sister Mary, Mary the Migdal. I don't know. We have so much more information about this character than we did the last time we talked about That's this. true. Um, but he is smuggling her into a city to visit Mother Mary. Do uh, we know that at that at this point? No, no, no. We, no. Know, no, we, we don't, don't know that until she gets out. Of we don't the, know anything about what he's doing. Spoiler within spoilers. I like it. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. We're, we <laughs> right out of the gate. We have the horn, so they were warned. Uh, the actor who's playing this guy actually uh, is a Turkish actor, and Ooh. this uh, biblical character was from Asia Minor. So, oh, I splendid! That. They did. They did the best they could possibly do. Are they mm-hmm. trying to? Oh yeah, they're probably trying to make it Tychicus from the New Testament, like yeah. the Tychicus. Yeah, yeah. Oh. He said his name at some point, I think, in the episode. Yeah, sure. I didn't realize that I thought they were picking a biblical name, but oh, that's okay. Yeah. Okay, I'm having it. All right. And Dallas did acknowledge that like the timeline of when these things would happen is probably a little early, uh, but they you know, could only effectively age the actors up so high. Mm-hmm. So they didn't... He said, you know, these types of interactions, Luke and Rome that we see later, all that stuff... 
it was probably more like late 50s, early 60s in reality. But yeah, I did think about that at some point. I didn't put it in my notes, but but I'm glad he mentioned that because that's and and now, boy, that's that's really fun that I never even thought about the idea that could be the actual biblical New Testament too. Yeah, okay, I'm in it to win it. Let's do it. <laughs> Uh, so he stops short of the city uh, to make sure everything is kind of buttoned down because he knows he's going to get inspected. There's a bunch of Roman soldiers uh, parked right outside the gate. And he prays and takes a deep breath and and then moves forward. No further commentary? Um, no, I don't think so. We got nothing for you. <laughs> it's coming, but not yet. So it's, <laughs> oh, we got it. It's not in this scene. <laughs> uh, so then we're back uh, with Joseph and Mary. And Mary's on a donkey. And they are walking along a road. Uh, this whole... okay, okay. Now I, now I got commentary now. Yeah, all right, Why do we always right. have to have a donkey? What? <laughs> Why is the donkey such a prominent <sighs> sigh? <laughs> we just probably didn't have. A... Is it possible they had a donkey? Sure. Pregnant woman, possible. I mean, what's the alternative? That they walk yes. the whole way. Yes. That pregnant. Yes. Like a hundred miles. I mean. Oof. <laughs> Because a donkey is pretty, I mean, you're you're going to be getting rid of like your one tractor. Like a donkey is the equivalent of a tractor at okay. home. So you're giving away like the one just to, and it's possible like with a nine month pregnant. Yeah. I mean, maybe just not in the story, but it's always in our representation yeah. of the story. I just always. don't, I don't know a lot of, I think, uh, husbands of very pregnant wives who aren't over over helpful you know maybe she could have walked that way that far and it would have been fine but i feel like in my personal experience and i would say the experiences of many pregnant women i know um usually the husband is like no no no, no. you can't you can't you can't move this chair let me you can't walk this you know and, it's, and that is exactly what they're doing in this episode yeah he is he's doing everything he can he, she wants to get down from the donkey and he's like no you shouldn't do that. You should rest, blah, blah, blah. I feel like... But what, I, what if you don't have the money to buy a donkey? Yeah, yeah and that's the other thing. Is like, I, I don't think every family has one. I just think that culture is so used to walking. Mm-hmm. It's not the same in our culture, putting the same stress on... Like, I was just thinking my wife was recently in a weightlifting competition. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. And she was at the gym, and the owner of the gym... Right? Yeah. Well, I believe it was the owner Jim was pregnant, nine months pregnant. She's there like in workout clothes, not like lifting weights, but you know how the doctors will typically tell you whatever your normal yeah. level of exertion, like keep that up. Yeah. Know, if they're used to walking, maybe, but I don't know. It's That's possible. True. I just love to nitpick the donkey thing. It's like Paul on the white horse. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like there's no white horse in the story. It's fair. Anyway. I think I appreciate in this scene, we immediately get a picture of Mary's character. Um, I think we see that she is strong-willed and that she starts by um, masking Joseph. She's like, I, you know, I'd like to get down and walk a little bit. And he tells her no several times. And eventually she basically nicely tells him like, I'm going to get down and walk. Um, You can help me down. (laughs) So she's got, she's got her own, you know, she knows what she needs. um, And she's, she has her own opinions, that kind of thing. Um, but then immediately after, as they're walking, um, their conversation is one where she um, <clears throat> acknowledges that he could have an easier life. Like he could have divorced her. He um, could be 
engaged to somebody else with less going on, um, his life could be a lot simpler. And um, so she acknowledges that and is appreciative of it and then apologizes uh, for the fact that she hasn't said thank you um, until this point. So we see that she is strong willed and also has this level of humility that um, I think those are both important characteristics of someone who is about to raise the Messiah. And Joseph does have a little bit of an eye roll as he's like, no, no, it's fine. Like God told me to do this, blah, blah, blah. And and she's like, no, you could have had somebody else. And he's like, Ugh, no, stop <laughs> talking about it. Yeah. I don't want somebody else. I mean, it was, it was a very brief moment, but uh, yeah, there was, you know, there's definitely some, some tension there in their relationship. I, I appreciated the uh, theological humor, the modern theological humor about, I mean, I'm assuming, but there was this little interplay about choice and, oh, of course I have choices. But then there was like this, but, but I don't know. I feel like I really didn't have a choice. And I feel like it was like a humorous way to do the whole modern Christian free will, open theism, determinism. Like it was just a funny way to like tongue in cheek kind of point at that yeah. is what I heard in that. It was pretty funny. And that conversation definitely felt like Joseph was digging himself a little bit more of a hole than he <laughs> needed to. Yes. Yeah, Dallas talked about in the commentary, the the challenge of that scene was they didn't want Mary to seem too naive, uh, but they also wanted her to seem like she's in a little bit over her head in this mm-hmm. situation. Um, so I don't know if you guys feel like they did that well, but. I feel like we see a little bit more of that later as birth is coming up. You get a better picture of like, oh yeah, she really doesn't know what she's doing here. Yeah, there's definitely a shift later where... Uh, where she's more confident early on and mm-hmm. Joseph is kind of nervous. And then as things start to happen, she starts to freak out and Joseph becomes the the voice of calm. Mm-hmm. I, I do think they, they, they continually impress me with how they handle the, um, just to use these terms in really loose ways, like the Catholic high view of Mary mm-hmm. versus, you know, I, they just balance all that stuff so well in the way they develop these characters where, they don't they're not trying to be overly Protestant and overly humanize Mary. They honor her in really appropriate ways. I they 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 have a ton of challenges beyond just the scene that he references there. He's he's talked about in other Dallas has talked about in other videos too. The challenge of wanting to really represent a very wide swath of Christian hmm. perspective on particularly the person of Mary, but but others as well. And by the way, these actors are the same actors who played these parts in the shepherd pilot Mm -hmm. from a few years ago that we talked about last year on the podcast. I appreciated that, especially because that was filmed much earlier. Yeah. 2017. Yeah. So there were a few spots in this episode where it kind of like, you could see it intersecting with that Mm -hmm. one we talked about last year. Yeah. Yeah. They did. They did a good job, uh, maintaining the continuity and the, uh, the actor for Joseph is about 10 years older than the actress for Mary, which seems like a yep. reasonable kind of age yep. gap for yep. that time period as yep. well. So spot on. Um, and since I, since I dogged on the sign for Bethlehem in the, in the shepherd, I will point out that the, the sign for Bethlehem in this episode, uh, I feel like was substantially better. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, it was good. And it matches what some of the mile markers and signs up. We do know existed. So I thought that was pulled mm. down again. Yep. Uh, so then we hear back with the Roman soldier searching the cart um, without really a whole lot of care. I feel like I, I, it's late at night. He probably doesn't care that much anyway. Uh, he does ask for the papers 
and Tychicus can't uh, quite find them. And then we see this hand slide out from under the stack <laughs> of stuff uh, to give him his papers. And uh, this this was probably my least favorite line of the entire thing. The soldier goes, everything all right? You look a little pale. <laughs> and, you know, I feel like he did a pretty good job with his uh, with his soldiering uh, otherwise. But that one line, I was like, eh. <laughs> a little, little cheesy for me, but, you know, whatever. Um, so then we, then we're back with Joseph and Mary, they're arriving in the town and they're talking about finding Samuel's house. And then Joseph's kind of looking around. He's like, uh, actually things look a little different and maybe it's just because there's so many people. Um, so Mary's clearly not feeling great at this point, but she's kind of trying to play it cool. Uh, Joseph is like, okay, well, I see that we need to get moving. I'm going to take you straight to the inn. (laughs) Yeah, and you, we all know how I feel about the idea of an inn. But having said that, they again, I think they're probably trying to manage an off. I don't. Know, I can't believe how much grace I give these. You can't believe these, it. these chosen folks, but I, I, they they really have earned it in my mind. Like they're trying to manage a lot of different debatable opinions about Christmas and the story, and so I'm, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much and where we talked about. I know we do in our trips. I can't remember in the podcast how much we talked about the idea of an inn. And we have uh, like the word Cataluma and Pandaxion. Luke knows how to use all those references. The story of the Good Samaritan takes him to a Pandax. That's an inn. There there wouldn't have been. Um, I mean, there's there's some. And, and they took a stance that I thought was more historically probable. Like there's a stable connected to this inn. Um which means it's probably also a home. So is it is there the potential that maybe people as their family business had a place of lodging? That's how I kind of played it and I thought that was that was okay. Luke uses the word cataluma, which is literally guest room. Same word that Luke uses when Jesus says go find a man carrying a prepare the Passover in the cataluma. So it refers to a room rather than an inn. Um but I also understand the creative stuff. Like I, I, I'm going to commission probably right about the time this episode is coming out, Brent. Um, I commissioned to work for my YouTube channel, and it was based off of Frederick Beekner's um, "The Birth," a sermon he gave. We kind of adapted it for this uh, dramatic representation, and it has a character of like the inn. So everybody's going to call me a hypocrite here when I have my own work and I have an innkeeper in my <laughs> own work um, based off of Beekner's, but. Uh, so it has its place. So now that I've vented about my opinion about an inn, I thought they actually did that because they, they also worked in the family shame. Mm-hmm. Like they worked in the cultural shame. They worked in enough of like, and again, I think we said this a year ago. I feel like when they get to the stable, it looks to me like the bottom floor ish of a house, maybe the bottom floor of this inn that they're at or whatever. I, you know, they, they, they found a really messy, beautiful middle to mm-hmm. try to manage all of these competing paradigms about Christmas. Well, my notes are pretty sparse um, in session three. I didn't really, I didn't really start keeping good track of stuff until later. But I can tell you that we did talk about the idea of an insula in episode eighty on the Pharisees, and episode one hundred two, which is the Son of Man episode. That's an insula. That's where we talked about it. Yeah, rather than the in the concept of well, an in. and I don't, I don't know, I didn't. 
I didn't have notes on those episodes. So that... I know we talked about the sheepfold in different places, and in one of those conversations we talked about the inn, but I can't remember if we did the whole Christmas Pandoxion Cataluma connection or not. Yeah. So I don't know. One of our listeners will have to let us know. We talked about it in episode blank or it's difficult not. to sort out all this stuff in my head as to what uh what happened on a trip what happened in a class what mm. happened on the podcast uh, you're telling me the lines are fuzzy yeah um so we do have um so we have T- tychicus uh arriving at the house and uh he meets lazarus uh character named lazarus who i believe is the one raised from the dead I oh, believe that's what I, that's that was my impression, but I'm not I'm not totally sure. It seems like a very specific name to choose if that's not what you're trying to do. Huh. I mean, not that it was that uncommon of a name, mm-hmm. I don't think, but huh. okay. Uh, but they do a little dance of uh, different phrases and symbols that they draw in the dirt uh, to verify each other's identities and authenticities and whatever. The ichthus. Yeah. We talk about that in our trip i i was taught that that's historically uh credible there's some historical credibility to that yeah this was actually where dallas brought it up um that that kind of underground church stuff probably was not happening until a yeah. little bit later than they're portraying it I, I actually think that's where i thought about the dating of some of this stuff I'm yeah like, man where is the persecution driving this but I, that's great he gave word to that that's awesome so then we're back with joseph again he's looking for a place for mary uh he has the line about bowl droppings which was apparently ad-libbed <laughs> it's very subtle i didn't catch it the first time we watched it yeah it's a little bit in the background recently, you know he's like, off oh, okay, in the distance okay. for the cameras back by mary he's talking to you know somebody <laughs> pretty pretty great line so this this is bull dropping here. I don't like this, okay? Uh, and then we have the camera framing Mary as she begins to pray. She's uh, praying Psalm 63, I believe. Um, and then and then she appears to start to have some more contractions. Um, I don't know for sure if she was earlier. This was the first time that I got the impression that she like felt a little bit of uh, pressure. <laughs> pressure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. But then Joseph comes back and he's like, look, everything's full. The census is going on. There's there's nothing. Um, we can still try to find, you know, uh, what was it? Samuel's house. Uh, I think it was supposed to be a cousin or something. And and she's like, no, we don't, we don't have time. <laughs> Mary's trying to put on a brave face, but <laughs> but ultimately uh, she's like, look, we can't keep looking for a place. This is this is happening very soon. I appreciated how they portray her as a woman of the text. Mm hmm. Um, throughout everything but this episode, they have her quoting that psalm you reference. I think it comes out in the Magnificat, which is going to play a big part in this episode, and I may reference probably more towards the end. But I I mean, what she does with the Magnificat shows that she's a person of the text. So to have her even reciting psalms unrelated to the Magnificat just reinforces this idea like she has the the words of God on, on her lips. And in those days, we know that women were very, very well trained with the Psalms. Like they knew the Psalms maybe better than, than anything else. And yet the Magnificat will show us that Mary knows well beyond just the Psalms. Like Mm -hmm. she's a, she's a woman that's, that's in the text. So I, I like that part of her character. Well, and in this episode, in that flash forward portion, um, Mary is portrayed as being sick Mm -hmm. and not like, uh, on her deathbed necessarily, but it's like, uh, you know, sister Mary, she's like, Oh, I heard you're sick. I had to come right away. 
Um, so I, I do wonder, and you know, as they're crossing between the scenes, she's reciting Psalm 63 there as well. And so they didn't say this, but I wonder if they're trying to say that like Psalm 63 is her life Psalm. Oh yeah. Which obviously we, we don't know that, but sure. Very interesting. Okay. Never thought of that. So Mary does say to Sister Mary, she's like, hey, I have something I want to share with you. Uh, but first, how are the disciples doing? And uh, Sister Mary kind of hesitates, but she mm. reluctantly shares like, uh, yeah, you know, we've had some really good things happen, but also it's getting really, really tough out there sometimes. Uh, I think they've lost a couple of people at this point. Uh, but she says, you know, they're also feeling emboldened to to continue with their work. Um, so it's tough times. Mm -hmm. I think I appreciate how they bring that in there because we, I often, when I go back and read the book of Acts, it's this story after story of miracles and look at how faithful and the church is growing. And I think reading it backwards, it's easy to read the stuff and glorify it. And yes, there's persecution and people are dying, but look at the numbers that are growing. And I think, for them at that time, like it was probably a lot heavier than, um, than the way we think of it. And I just think Mary's, uh, tone as she's, um, you know, giving a little bit of an update to mother Mary is appropriate. She's, she's hopeful and God is doing big things, but also like, it's scary and people's lives are in danger. And she mentions that she misses Jesus. Um, and I think that's really valid. Like that's a, that's something that gets skipped over. I think as Christians, we go, oh, but Jesus said it's better because he's going he's gonna to send the Spirit. And it is better. Um, but also, I think there's... Still hard. Yeah, it's still hard. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, there's something comforting about the physical presence of Jesus that they can't lean on anymore. Uh, so then we're back with Joseph and Mary surveying their stable, I guess, if that's what you want to call it. <laughs> Uh, and Mary is like, oh, the contractions, she doesn't say contractions, but she says it's, they're coming faster. And, uh, then we see Joseph shoveling a very small amount of manure from a <laughs> fairly clean, otherwise floor. I appreciate what they're trying to do. I could have used with a little more mess. Yeah. Well, and they said that the innkeeper were going to make sure that it was clean. That's and true. kind of worked. And yeah. I was like, okay, you're doing a good job of bridging the gaps and mm -hmm. making, you know, having <laughs> They the made sure it was clean and... except for that one giant pile yeah. of manure in the middle yeah. of the floor. Right. I mean, how <laughs> some, you know, some animal, has, you know, in between the cleaning. <laughs> uh, that's and, that's know, true. Right. It looked a little dry. I don't think it was that fresh, <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> I, I think, though, as... As a mom who has gone into, you know, not in the moments as I'm, you know, having contractions, but I feel like at least in our culture, it's very typical leading up to birth. Like you nest and you put this time and energy and you have this drive to make a space that's nice and cozy, not necessarily maybe where you're going to birth unless you're going to have a home birth. But, um, you know, you want to welcome the baby into this warm, cozy, safe atmosphere. And this is not that at all. So I think I appreciate uh, just the the contrast there of like, for moms who are watching the episode, um, this is the opposite of the kind of situation that you want to be in when you are about to give birth. Yes. Mm -hmm. And and that the shoveling of the manure is what I would say is the beginning of like a nesting montage mm -hmm. where they're, you know, putting things together as best as they can on a short schedule and limited resources. Um, 
there's a there's a goat who's bothering Mary as she's <laughs> trying to make Jesus's bed, which I loved. I'm sure that's not really. I mean, you can't really can't really plan for what a goat's going to do, <laughs> but I appreciate that they captured that and um and kept it in. Use it. Yeah. So then this is where uh, Mary begins reciting the Magnificat uh, from Luke one, and Joseph is like, "Whoa, what are you what are you saying there? Uh, tell me about that. I'd like to hear it." She, she kind of brushes him off at that moment. Um, and then, and then all of a sudden this bright light appears outside and Joseph gets distracted. Uh, Dallas pointed out that the colors, uh, that they show in this episode match the colors that they used in the shepherd. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, while Joseph is, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, something like that. (laughs) Uh, while Joseph is away, uh, looking at the lights, Mary's water breaks and, uh, and then Mary, at this point, starts to freak out. She's like, "We got to go get some help. You got to go find somebody." And Joseph's like, "No, I've I've got it. We can do this." And there were some culturally, um, like a, appropriate comments too. I think she says something in passing, like, "I don't want you to see me like mm-hmm. this." Like typically, the men wouldn't have been involved in that birth process. They'd be somewhere else outside. It would be something for midwives and the women of the village. And I thought that was that was well placed. Yeah, and. I mean, I don't, I don't know. We don't really know. We know they were betrothed ahead of time, but they hadn't had a wedding. Yep. And they hadn't consummated that marriage until after we're told specifically until after the birth of Jesus. So there's been no, you know, sexual relationship union in that regard. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like they're like essentially in our, by our culture standards, they are acquaintances, like they're engaged, but Mm -hmm. this is a super vulnerable situation for Mary to be in. Birth is intense and it's really vulnerable. She doesn't know what she's doing. There are no other women there to help her. And she has her husband or fiance, but they like, okay, you're going to deliver my child now. Like that's a huge deal. (laughs) Very vulnerable. Yeah. Like legally, uh, Joseph would be her husband. Mm-hmm. Like they aren't, they haven't like completed all of the, the rituals of marriage, but like the, the conversation was, you know, should he divorce her? It's like, mm-hmm. well, what do you mean divorce? They haven't actually gotten, but, but to them, they would be. Yeah. Once you have a betrothal, you now have a covenant mm-hmm. and okay. divorce, divorce is the way to dissolve that covenant union, which is then consummated later. Now, in this case, I would say, I'm sure culturally, because they don't have rules for virgin births. Um, I would assume culturally they're now beyond, even though they haven't consummated the marriage, culturally everybody is assuming they obviously have in one regard or another. So mm-hmm. that there, there's no more in-between at this point in cultural minds, I would imagine. I could be wrong. I haven't thought that necessarily through the whole way. But as they portrayed in this episode, there's not necessarily uh, really an awareness of who they are as they're traveling. Like nobody... Nobody has any idea who they are, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a bit different from what we'll see in next week's episode, um, talking about a different portrayal of the story. Um, but yeah, it, it's not it's not that they have been rejected because people know who they are, know their story. And, and like, honestly, this is a 40 minute episode. There's only so much you can do right. in right. this amount of time. So, you know, I got to you know, I got to give them some passes on, on just the expediency of telling this story in a limited time frame. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not like they were rejected because their family has been like spreading the word and everybody in Bethlehem knows that they're, you know, doing things outside of God's will or whatever they want to say about it. So anyway, 
But they do make some comments about that, though. You know what I mean? Like, they reference, like, I'm not sure Samuel's going to invite us. Mm-hmm. Like, they do, they reference it more than what we'll talk about next week. Next week's episode. In some regard, that reference is more directly made in this episode, and I even appreciated that. Oh, interesting. They don't play it out, and that's not yeah. the reason yeah. that they're rejected. Again, they took all these different perspectives on the Christmas story, and they kind of mashed them together effectively, but they made direct references to... Yeah, like, you know. The social. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Fair enough. Um, let's see. Then we're back with, um, we're back in 48. Mother Mary is recounting how she told Luke uh, the stories of Elizabeth and visiting her and all that stuff. Um, and then says to Sister Mary, like, hey, I want, I want you to write this down. I'm going to tell you, you know, my my psalm, I think is what, did they call it a psalm? How did they refer to it? Oh yeah. What did they call that? Did she say a psalm I wrote or yeah, I can't remember. Something. But earlier she, he calls it a poem or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Joseph, Joseph asked her. So she says, Hey, I want you to write this down, uh, deliver it to Luke. Uh, they use that line. People must know, which was uh, a line from the shepherd, uh, which was apparently ad libbed by that guy, Simon, the guy who had the broken leg or whatever. Oh, he, huh. he ad-libbed that line and they have run with it. Um, but then as, as Mary begins reciting uh, the Magnificat, we're switching back and forth between the scene. This is the, the birth scene. They, they did have apparently two babies on set, I found out from the commentary. Because oh. a baby only lasts 45 minutes on a movie set. And then you gotta, then you got to send it back to the parents. They're ready for So they had one baby that they used for the birth and then a second baby that they used for like the snuggling and wow. holding scenes. <laughs> okay. Huh. Uh, so yeah, two different two different babies there that we saw. I appreciated um, the baby. Yeah. Yeah, we looked like closer to a newborn than we often see in nativity depictions. What's your guess on how old the baby was? I okay, I'm mixing it up because we've watched we've watched a few things this week. Um, I feel like. In this one, I I could be persuaded to believe that that is, you know, within a few weeks old. Um, I'm our babies were pretty little, so it's hard to compare. There's a big range of, but could be born early and yeah, could be born but, early, you know whatever could be, um, could be oh like, what am I trying to say? Like my daughter came three weeks early, mm-hmm. so she was super small. So almost like two or three weeks, she was where she would have been if she would have been born. Right, so right. You could have one of those instances, but yeah, well, yeah, within like a. Easily within a couple months old. Oh, yeah, definitely. I Absolutely. cannot imagine that baby being more than like eight weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that is nice. That is cool. Pretty good. Um, and that was quick. Like we didn't necessarily get a lot of detail there, but like messiness level of the baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could I want to hear Maggie's more, take on you know, I could use yeah. more. I always feel like yeah. things are a little more sterile, but they, the, you know, because they're cutting back and forth. You you just get little glimpses of Jesus coming out. Um, there was blood. I always look for blood because I'm like, man, when these babies come out clean as a whistle, like well, that's uh, something not right but it here. It was Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there was blood. I could have used more, but it was it was quick and like Brent said, forty minute episode. How much how much time do you really want to spend on blood? And they definitely depicted labor, like mm-hmm. like labor, labor, like they yeah. Yeah, and the expediency again. Yeah, how much time are you going to spend on that? But they definitely depicted pain, mm-hmm. contractions. Yeah, 
There was definitely a quick exchange from underneath the whatever, the blanket, the dress, the whatever, mm-hmm. to here, hold this. I didn't see him tying a cord. <laughs> no. There was, cutting there was no maintenance taking place and in between. I, I feel like he would have had to run and find someone like, please help me figure out what to do here. A well-positioned blanket <laughs> swaddling, right? Like, yep, yep, yep. Would, would, uh, would it be common for people to carry some kind of a small knife or whatever? Well, sure. Some kind of tool. I mean, I, heck, so if I know what the birthing process like that how what that's like in the first like i can i mean i know the experiences i had with two kids and my wife and all the medical things that were needed in that room like (laughs) i can't even imagine like that's the kind of stuff where like let alone the like what you referenced earlier maggie i cannot imagine post-birth like the things that the the stitching and the sewing that had to have like and, not, and all that's just not available in this And it world. might not. I mean, it doesn't, it's not necessarily in every birth. Right. I think. Right. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, to not even have the option. The reality back then is that there was basically a one in four chance that both the mom and the child sure. were going to survive right. the birth. It was yep. scary. So, yeah. yep. so then, so then we kind of have the quiet moment after, you know, the intensity of the Magnificat and the birth. And then uh, Joseph sitting there and he's like, Hey, are you still in pain? <laughs> I love this moment so much. I feel like they did such a good job of making Joseph exactly, exactly the way he should have been as a, you know, a first time father. And also like this new husband doesn't really know his wife that well. He yeah, asks hmm. her if she's still hurting and she's like, yeah, well, you know, uh, doesn't make a big deal of it. Um, and then his like, I don't I don't know how you did that. Like, yeah, he starts he starts <laughs> laughing <laughs> and looks up and he's like, I don't know how you did that. Yeah. And I feel like that's probably Brent. I feel like you probably said those exact things. After, yeah. Yeah. After at least one of our children were born. Definitely. But yeah, he's got this appreciation of like, that was intense. Like what even just happened? And yeah, I like that. I, I, I didn't necessarily see it that way, but I like how she. Maggie, how you frame that? That's that's really good. Like he he is a little bit foolish, ignorant. First, I didn't think about that, but yeah, like like exactly what you'd expect a first time dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. For him absolutely. to have even been there, I, mean, yeah. I think I don't. Yeah, again, I don't know a lot and culturally, about... probably not. That's not the norm. Yeah, like in, in today's world, we're always in there. And, yeah, but they're not. And yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Big deal for Joseph. Mm-hmm. And Maggie, your birth experience was. Um, somewhat closer to the uh authentic experience i mean obviously we were closer. in we were in a hospital but no <laughs> no epidural for you no nothing yeah. just uh yeah See, which is how i wanted to do it i shall clarify yeah. um but <laughs> that was but you you have an idea of what mary was feeling <laughs> it was intense yeah. it was intense um but i i think i appreciate when when he asked you know are you still in pain and she's like yeah but you know there's for me, and I can't speak for everyone's birth, it's um, once the baby's out, you know, and the placenta's out, you're done pushing stuff out. You're still in pain, um, but it's a lot less intense. And in general, there's the joy that the baby's there and you kind of, you know. So you feel like that was an authentic reaction? Yes, absolutely. I feel like there is, when everything is calm, there are no complications. Mm-hmm. Um, ideally, like it's very, it's expected that you have this moment of calm after the birth uh, where you just kind of mm-hmm. get to breathe and mm-hmm. soak it in. Mm-hmm. And yeah. There's a balance between the pain and the joy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so then we have Mary commenting that Jesus is so small and Joseph, um, 
It's like, I wonder if that's like Dallas, like giving himself like little props, like yeah, we got a we, we got, got a, a little baby, we got a small baby like Maggie wanted. <laughs> we yeah. didn't have a stick. Look muscle, how small he is, holding yeah. up his own head and no, <laughs> eating solid foods. I don't know. I didn't see a scale or a tape measure or anything, so it's hard to say. But it was, yeah, yeah, pretty good, pretty good sized baby. Uh, but then Joseph asks, you know, like, hey, we had slightly different messages from our messengers. Like, do we want to stick with the name Jesus? And they decide that they do. Um, I mean, clearly, I think everybody knew that they were going to stick with that. <laughs> Spoiler. Um, so then we're back with uh, Mother Mary and Sister Mary. And uh, she's like, oh, you got you to say one other thing. Uh, you got to tell Luke about the swaddling cloths. Uh, she says, I want to honor the help we received from the innkeeper. So really hammering that uh, hotel metaphor home for you, Marty. <laughs> just gonna just gonna let that one go. And keep on talking about the scene. Uh, and uh, she says something about how the cloths uh, that they got were used for lambs. I don't know what the lamb process yeah, is also like. Not my favorite. No. That's a big. That's kind of a trendy thing that everybody talks about along with uh it usually goes along with the oh the shepherds in bethlehem were raising temple sacrifices and mm. and jesus was wrapped in swat like lamb swat and uh, yeah i mean i just think it's one of those it's an easy thing we make we we over dramatize mm. and maybe draw too many quick parallels about but <laughs> lord knows i've been guilty of that myself <laughs> It's possible. And they do uh, make reference back to uh, the shepherd. Um, Mary talks about, you know, mm -hmm. like, here's the part where we tore it off and gave it to uh, one of the shepherds. And um, and then uh, as Mary's getting ready to leave, uh, Mother Mary prays number six over her. That's the ironic blessing. Is that what that's called, yep. right? Yep. The ironic uh, priestly blessing. Yep. Absolutely. Priestly blessing. Yeah. So praise that over her. And then um, I did appreciate too about the, and again, I'm, I'm always aware. I think I'm more fascinated with how Dallas is pulling this off and the rest of the team, but um, I, I don't know what the history is. There were two things that came up in this episode. One is the church tradition surrounding Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene, where she went and, and how she interacted with the early church. I, I am unaware of where tradition takes her in Asia, Asia minor mm -hmm. or, or, or anywhere. Um, and then second, like the the like there is a in in Catholic faith and tradition, there is this understanding on some level of of relics and things that they argue at different levels of legitimacy and things that are kept at the Vatican and all kinds of stuff. And I'm not aware of any tradition around the swaddling cloths. I, I would not be surprised if that is a prominent tradition within Catholicism. And I appreciate. Again, I think I'm just like, oh, that's cool how he worked that in there in an in an inobtrusive, like non-offensive way. I was like, oh, okay, there's a, there's a little wink and nod. I thought that was good. I mean, could you see Mary saving those claws? Oh, 1,000%. Part, and I go back and forth. If I'm going to cry on this podcast, it's going to be in this moment. Every time <laughs> we watch this episode, when they bring out the swaddling, oh my gosh, I am a weepy mess they <laughs> i go back and forth because part of me when i think back on this era of history having not been there i think i i just assume like no they were practical you know mm -hmm. we're overly sentimental we save mm -hmm. everything we yeah. have scrapbooks you yeah. know everything my child's little bracelet around yep. his foot um so it's easy to go no she wouldn't have saved that she wouldn't have saved that well why not like why would she not have mm -hmm. well, i think 
you know, mm-hmm. we could think of a hundred reasons why she couldn't have and a hundred mm-hmm. reasons why she could have. Mm-hmm. I think human nature and as a mom, um, we we want to cherish these things. And you have these, you know, we have these verses, Mary treasured all these things in her heart. So she had some sentimentality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We know that. Mm-hmm. And whether whether it's likely or not, I appreciated that they put it in there because it made it more relatable as a mom. And to remember that Jesus was a baby and Mary was his mom. Jesus was her baby. Um, and she saved his swaddles. Like, pff, mm-hmm. I've got my baby's swaddles. Like, most mm-hmm. most women I know who had mm-hmm. hospital births, they have, you know, and even if you didn't, you've saved their little shoes. Like, mm-hmm. we want to treasure these little things because we know that it's so short. And especially for Mary, she knows like this is also my savior. Like this mm-hmm. is this is not going to last. So for her to keep this, you know, mm-hmm. little memento of his birth, um, of course, yeah. I yeah. I loved that so much. A seized opportunity, mm-hmm. done well to do a lot of things all in the same moment, accomplishing a lot with that little part of the scene. Mm-hmm. And it is just one item. It's not like they went overboard and they're like, oh, and here's, here's, you know, we here's, just, here's a whole room full of a museum. <laughs> we of... stole the manger from the <laughs> stable and, and his baby teeth and his first haircut. <laughs> here's the stick that he chewed on on our way to Egypt. And, you know, that belongs in a museum. So, yeah, I, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a good appropriate amount of like, speculation and mm-hmm. yeah i think informed speculation sure. and i love how it was one more thing where they elevated the character of mary again they're they're unobnoxiously finding ways to give mary magdalene a very prominent role um she can read and write mm-hmm. like they've really given her a spot to play in within the apostles in the early church and and it was just one more way that they you know, the historical likelihood or plausibility, I don't know, but it continues to put her in that place as a character. And it's, it's good. I like it. So then uh, episode closes out with uh, Sister Mary arriving in Rome and we, uh, we see Luke and he's got, he's got some good digs, <laughs> kind of place I guess you would expect for a doctor to have. Sure. And uh, he's, he's working on his stories and, and he's like, oh, I already finished my stuff on Mary. You got, you got something else for me? And, and we have that slow, slow moment, and she breaks into a little bit of a smile, and like, yeah, I got something good. Buckle up, Luke. Yeah, and actually, when I was thinking about this, uh, the Magnificat comes earlier in Luke than I realized it did. I thought it was somewhere within the Luke two story, or even after uh, the birth portion, but it actually comes uh, before in Luke one. So yeah, mid to late. Chapter one. I would I would be curious to know if there's any kind of like, you know, as we were recently talking about with uh, Dr. Burge and, you know, manuscript history and, and the construction of, of these books and church history and all those different elements. I would wonder if like, oh, is this is this something that it's like, oh, it's clear that this was added in later or. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But I did. Um, I mean, there's the one line that I appreciated and also grimaced at the same time when she says it's uh it's like hannah's song only mm-hmm. more beautiful and i was like oh. <laughs> the last part of that sentence was unnecessary but yes yeah. um but even beyond that she's directly quoting hannah's song and ev- but every line of that magnificat can easily be argued comes lifted right out of different psalms mm-hmm. different texts different prayers from women different stories about women like she is a woman that Magnificat is just 
unbelievably textually intentional. And um, so I appreciated that that awareness where they're like, oh, it's like Hannah's song. Yeah, she's actually quoting Hannah's song mm-hmm. and about 10 other songs when she writes that and creates that. And Mary must have been, yeah, I, 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 we, we've tossed around, I think even this last year when we were in Israel, um, well, and, and Megan, one of our, we had a guest in session three, Megan, one of my disciples, and she's, we've talked before about, was Mary potentially a zealot? And Joseph potentially mm-hmm. a Herodian. And again, I think we toyed with that on a past podcast, I think even in the John series. But I I love this image of Mary being this fierce, committed person of the text, coming with a tradition, coming with some fire. And like you pointed out in the earlier scene, like she's strong-willed, she's bold, she's got something to say, she knows her Bible. Like I love that. I just love it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that does it for this episode. We are coming back next week uh, to talk about Marty's favorite Christmas movie. Absolutely. Is that an important qualification, favorite Christmas movie? Or is it your favorite Christmas portrayal overall? Right. Cause... And maybe maybe we save that for you to yeah. say I, in the next episode. I think, but it, I think it's all the above. All of the above. Wow. Well, I think so. Unless not, there's something I'm missing. Maybe you'll have to... Not a Muppet Christmas Girl. <laughs> 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 Oh well, now, yeah, we're widening it out to just the theme of Christmas. I may have to, I may have to think about that before next yeah. week's episode. Yeah. Uh, well, if you haven't seen the Nativity Story, or if you haven't seen it in a while, uh, it is currently available on Canopy, which is the. Um, I mean, it's not. I don't know if it's really a streaming service, but it's the app that you can get and you plug in your library card, and then you can watch a bunch of stuff. It doesn't necessarily mean it's available for everyone. Everyone, like sometimes I see stuff on Canopy. Uh, but our local library doesn't actually have the right connections for it. So can't guarantee that you'll find it that way, but I, uh, I'll include the just watch link. So you can, if you can't find it on canopy, you you'll see where you can buy it or rent it or whatever. Yep. So check that out. We'll be talking about that next week. And, uh, yeah, I think that's it for now. Good conversation. Maggie, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having thanks me. Thanks for sharing your perspective. Uh, if you want to get a hold of Marty, you can find him, on places <laughs> I don't know this is normally where I talk about Twitter but uh, it's uh, um, you know we're we're a few weeks ahead of uh, the release of this episode and who knows what's going to happen in that short time amount of time <laughs> I plan on being there if it's still up yeah if, <laughs> if Twitter exists you can find Marty on there he's Marty Solomon I'm EIBCB uh, you can find more details about the show at baymontdeception.com so thanks for joining us on the Baymont podcast we'll talk to you again soon I think I actually forgot to mention uh, at the start of this episode that we uh, are all in person, the three of us mm. in a single room. You may have heard that actually probably by the audio quality. Marty especially <laughs> sounds uh, quite a bit different. He's on a totally, totally different setup than normal. 
Uh, I'm more or less in the same spot, but I don't have my sound dampening stuff in the same places. So I'm probably a little bit different. And then, of course, uh, we haven't heard Maggie. Well, no, we did hear Maggie the one time when she had to come on and correct your French. Correct the French. But uh, yeah, for since, all those that listen all the way to the end of the episode. Yeah. yeah. I think, Marty, you did gesture to Maggie one time and you're like, you said earlier. And uh, I think it was probably clear what uh, after you after you said what you said, that it was clear you were talking about. This is Maggie, why, everybody, this is why this we is don't. why we don't record with video. We turn our cameras off on Zoom when oh, we're. do. Because we don't want to rely on any visual cues. You don't have a visual experience. We deny ourselves a visual experience. For the sake well. of the listener. But I will paint one important visual picture in that Marty is wearing a chosen hat mm. as we record this episode. I am. Wow. Unintentional. Unintentional. All right. I get more comments about my chosen gear wherever I, I have two different hats that Dallas sent us. I've got some shirts whenever I wear it. Everywhere I go, there's always people that are like, I love your hat. Mm. Love the show. Love the shirt. I'm like, okay. Love Jesus. People <laughs> like yet that chosen swag. anybody say anything about my Bay Ma t-shirt <laughs> in an airport. But well, everybody in the airport's like, love the show. Love the show. Awesome hat. Awesome shirt. Little so, wink. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I think we have to admit that the chosen has it's a slightly, slightly wider reach. <laughs> They're what? running a little bit Bay of a bigger does. outfit no. than we are. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird to hear this without the... Intro music. <laughs> How often are you hearing it, though, even with the intro music? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm a little behind, but I know that I usually hear. <laughs> People are like, where are you in the podcast? I'm like, you know, that's a great question. <laughs> Sometimes. You can tell people that you've done all five sessions because you went to Israel. And I went Turkey. to Israel. Suckers. Talk like normal. Like normal? Yeah. Um, I burned my hair on the stovetop earlier. That is a true story. Great. <laughs> and I feel like I'm speaking normally. Okay. And Marty, check. I uh, burned my hair <laughs> on a barbecue grill not too long ago. <laughs> not today. But not today. And it's happened many times. It's almost unavoidable. Wow. So. It's not giving me a lot of hope. For my hair. I can never smell what I'm cooking because it just smells like burnt beard hair. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's terrible. <laughs> Do you smell what the Rabs is cooking? 